It's a great American success story that could be going away. Don't go anywhere. We're getting into CNBC's The Prophet Season 4, Episode 7, coming up next. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. We're going to open up with a little bit of this uh, heavy stock music. We're paying tribute to CNBC tonight and another episode of The Prophet. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Katerina Kazayas. You can find me on Twitter at Katerina Kazayas. You can also find me on Instagram at Katerina Kazayas. And you can also find me via my website. It's globalgab.com, where I come to you with global top trending issues and headlines. Now, normally, I am joined here by my co-host, Chris Howard. Uh, but Chris has left me all alone tonight. <laughs> now, Chris is out in Hawaii um, hosting a, a very important seminar conference and uh, so we're wishing him all the best there. If you are looking for Chris, you can always get a hold of him via his Twitter at Chris Howard Live. I know he would love to tweet with you. Uh, but for now, it is just me. And I'm actually really excited to be here for this episode because it combines uh, an episode from last year. We're going to get into all of this in just a moment. So for those of you that may have seen the episode, you'll know what I'm talking about. For those of you that may not have seen it, well, that's why you're here with me tonight. So here we go. The uh, episode is called Pacific Hospitality Design Furniture. Uh, this is a company that has been in business for 40 years. It was uh, opened up in 1979 by a Mexican immigrant named Gilbert Martinez. Now, Gilbert came to the USA with a dream to succeed onto the American dream, and he managed to do just that. He built a, uh, a commercial furniture manufacturing company that over the course of 40 years not only sustained business but grew in business and uh, to the tune of almost $3 million a year in gross revenue. So very, very commendable. Problem is that the business started successively losing money uh, month over month over month. And that is when daughter Anna decided to bring in and call Marcus Limonis and the team at The Prophet to, uh, to attention so that maybe they could come in and uh, help turn the business around. So that is exactly what happened. Um, the, uh, the original founder, Gilbert Martinez, uh, is 61 years old. He was recently diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, and so his health had been taking a little bit of a, um, a downturn. His daughter, Anna, had been in the business since she was you know, this high, uh, and effectively grew with it, becoming the uh, chief operating officer, running the show really as um, not only lead designer, but also lead everything else. So the uh, clients that Pacific Hospitality has happened to have over the 40 years have been large and they've been numerous. Uh, they included uh, the Caesars Palace Group, uh, the MGM Group, Coffee Bean out on the West Coast. So we're talking really big clients with respect to commercial furniture. The problem is, as I mentioned, uh, they have been experiencing a drop in sales. Bills started going unpaid. So Marcus comes in. We see him in the first scene. He comes in and he asks them, what portion of your business furnishes hospitality and commercial and what portion furnishes residential or other? The reason he asked that is he walks into the showroom 
And the showroom, instead of having commercial-looking furniture, was full of things that you would find in someone's home. Uh, so fluffy pillows, dresser drawers. Uh, that confused Marcus a little bit. What happened is he later found out that daughter Anna has a flair for design and simply was designing some of these things on the side to see whether or not they might take the business away from commercial and into that residential area. Marcus comes in and says, no, you know, you want to be sticking to your core business, which is, in fact, commercial manufacturing. Now, to get into the numbers just a little bit, because it is a numbers show, uh, we have a, an example of a chair that they looked at. So Marcus comes in, he sees a purple, pinkish purple chair, and he asks them, what is the cost on this chair? The cost was $300 per unit. The retail price was a question mark. And of course, you know, for those of you that follow us, you know that part of the thing that Marcus runs into when he goes into these businesses is it's oftentimes people with a passion for what they do on the creative side, but oftentimes with a lack of financial knowledge and savvy on the numbers. So the answer he got from both Gilbert and Anna was that, well, the chair probably sells for about $500 a piece. So... Marcus being Marcus says to them, probably sells for. They dug into the paperwork a little bit. They came out and found that the chair actually retails for $420. Now, the margin on that, the gross profit was between the $300 and the $420 is 28%. Gross margin on furniture to be healthy should be sitting at about 55%. So this chair, in actuality, to be making money in the long term should have been priced anywhere between $675 to $700. They were pricing it at $420. So just from this small example with the chair, you can see how the business has been bleeding money and bleeding cash the last several years. When Marcus decided to go through uh, the warehouse, he went for a walk and he went through the area, he ran into, again, a lot of the same problems he typically runs into. Uh, a lot of wasted material, a lot of damaged inventory, um, margin leakage everywhere, really poor efficiencies. And he asked Gilbert, who do I talk to about the numbers? Gilbert says, well, talk to Anna. Anna had said to him just a few minutes before that, well, I'm not the one that does the numbers. So <laughs> Marcus is going to be there to help them out. He sits down with them. He sees the business. He likes the business for a couple of reasons. One, he can feel the passion behind the business. Now, remember, this is a business that has been there for 40 years, and it's a business that is essentially effectively a family business, but it has its issues. Now, he sat down with them, looked at the numbers, and uh, effectively the sales per month were looking like this. January, 220000 Dollars worth of inventory sold. February, 175000 March, 200000 But then April came in at only 30000 May came in at only 50000 So Marcus asks them, hey, what happened? And the answer was just no sales. So poor efficiency was leading to lack of sales. The problem is that there were a lot of positive things to the business, right? Great history, great client history, great people involved in the business. Um, but what Marcus really, really decided to say was make them aware of the fact that 
when times are good, in those months where you are pulling in $200,000 a month, these inefficiencies and this loss of capital can go by partially unnoticed. When, however, you're running in a month where there's already little cash, this becomes really, really evident. It's like putting a noose around your neck. And uh, if the business continued like that, there really would be no chance for survival. So we go on to uh, the next set of books. He looks at the liabilities. So true to Marcus's form, before he invests in any business, he's going to do his due diligence. And uh, they, look at the, they look at the payables as, uh, as an example. They're showing $288,000 in payables. 106,000 of those are already past due, okay? Then there's another line item that is showing a $300,000 owed to a family member. So we're talking liabilities to the tune of about $406,000. Ouch. What we later find out is that Anna herself, Anna and her husband, have been putting in their own money to subsequently fund some of this business. They have put into the tune of about $75,000 just the month prior. So when you start putting in your own money into a business, you know that it's, uh, that it's failing. When Marcus decided, uh, you know, he had taken a look around, he was again making his final decision as to whether or not he's going to invest in this business, he went back to talk to Gilbert, who was the original founder. And he said, Gilbert, you know, I see that you're hurting here. Uh, I see that you really love this business. And I want to tell you that you should be very proud of what you have accomplished. And indeed, he should be. I mean, again, this is a man who came to this country with no language, no experience, no formal education, and managed to build a $3 million business that thrived and fed families for over 40 years. His daughter, Anna, was also quite sentimental in speaking with Marcus. And so Marcus, of course, could see the passion behind this project. Gilbert says to Marcus, and I'm going to quote him here, I am thinking with my heart, not my brain. Almost as if he was apologizing for some of the recent decisions with pricing and with the manufacturing business. And Marcus said to him, not at all. Marcus said to him, that is why you are successful in business. And I need to take a bit of a pause here because I cannot agree with that statement more. My observations over the course of my, uh, my lifetime here, both personally and professionally, have been that people that really do well in life, they have a passion for what they do. So there is a good portion of the population that gets up and they go to their job and they work their eight hours and they wait for their Friday and they go along just fine, whether they're making their 80000 or their 120000 or their $300,000 a year, they're fine. The people, though, that really are successful are people that don't look at the clock, that are there because they love the work. And I'm not just talking success as in financial success. I'm talking just a happiness, a being, and a fulfillment in life. And oftentimes that is reflected in the financial success that one also attains. And so this is very, very evident here. And as we know with Marcus Lamonas, for those of you that do watch The Prophet and those of you that do watch Chris and I here at the After Show on After Buzz, you know that Marcus always likes to invest in companies with heart. Now, the interesting thing with this, though, is true to form for Marcus, 
He is a very savvy businessman. And not only was Pacific Furniture uh, a company that he saw some potential in, but it also fit into his larger picture of the businesses that he is currently invested in. Grafton Furniture, for those of you that were with us last season, you'll remember the Grafton Furniture um, issue, episode. Grafton Furniture is based out of Miami, and they are a residential furniture company. Marcus saw a very clear and very um, similar path in terms of the original success of the company with the current reality of the company that Grafton had gone through a couple of years before, before Marcus invested in them. Uh, he was seeing the same pattern now in, um, in, in this company. And what he saw was uh, an opportunity to work synergistically with both of them. Why? Well, because Grafton Furniture is located in Miami on the East Coast doing residential, but Pacific Hospitality is located on the West Coast doing commercial manufacturing for for furniture. And so both of those companies had wanted to go national at one point, but the logistics behind freighting across the country, trucking the furniture was just, the cost was heavy, lack of control. Uh, So what Marcus saw was an opportunity to buy into Pacific Holding, uh, I'm sorry, Pacific Hospitality, and do so as a joint venture with Grafton Furniture. So Grafton and Marcus would be buying into uh, Pacific Hospitality. So after this uh, bit of due diligence work, Marcus, like I said, liked what he saw. And so he came to Anna and Gilbert with an offer. Woo! And we love it when he comes with you know, to the table with an offer because it usually is, uh, it works for everyone. Marcus is good that way. His offer in this case <clears throat> was 300000 for 40% of the business. Now, again, it's always tough to watch the families or watch the business owners um, get that original offer because and they get excited with the cash, uh, but then they feel the hit of the equity loss. And you have to think, this has been their baby, 100% their baby for 40 years. For somebody to come in with as little as $300,000 and take 40% of your business, ouch. The caveat here, though, is that, excuse me, in this case, it's not just Marcus coming in, it's Marcus and Grafton, which didn't make Anna and her dad too excited. They thought, wait a minute, we are now being taken over by someone that could eventually be looked at as our competition. Remember, they were thinking of maybe going into residential furniture and manufacturing. And Marcus sort of understood their point. So he said to them, how about this? How about if I up the percentage of ownership to 45 and I give you 5% of Grafton Furniture so that there is joint ownership going back and forth towards both Grafton and Pacific Hospitality. They were a little more receptive to that and they said, okay, sure. So fun. Next scene is uh, a shot out to Miami and I do have to give a little shout out to Miami because that has been my personal home for the last almost seven years, yes, although I'm Canadian, which many of you know, uh, I have been uh, most recently living in Miami, and I love it. It is my heart. And I have been to Grafton Furniture in the design district before, so I was super excited with uh, with that episode that we covered last season. Uh, so we switched to Grafton, and Marcus flies Anna out 
Gilbert is a little ill, so he stayed back, but he flies Anna out to Miami to see the Grafton Furniture operation. Makes sense, right? If she's going to make changes to her efficiency process, it's best to see what another company that, you know, is doing things quite well is doing. And so she came to the table, and some of the things that Marcus pointed out were the efficiencies in the process. Um, There were strong, strong quality control measures, and what he indicated to her was, we're lucky because we can literally take the exact same manufacturing template that we used to overhaul Grafton a couple of years ago and drop it down like a cookie cutter into Pacific Hospitality. What that would entail would be to really set up dedicated production, a dedicated production line, if you will, with dedicated stations. So the stations that they outlined they wanted to set up in the warehouse were framing, upholstering, finishing, staining, top coating, and then, of course, quality control. Because one of the main issues that Marcus uncovered at Pacific Hospitality when he was going through the warehouse walk the first time around was that there was no quality control as such. There was not one designated person or department that reviewed or looked at or even sniffed over the furniture at Pacific Hospitality before it left for the clients. So if there was a mistake, if there was something unpainted, if there was something left unfinished, the client would be the one to find it. And then you wonder why sales started dropping off, right? So quality control is a big issue. I had um, um, been uh, working with um, a family company of, of, uh, of ours. Uh, we manufacture yachts. And one of the things that is of utmost importance um, that I, I very quickly came to understand during my tenure with, uh, with the company, the company was called Nisi Yachts, uh, was how important quality control is. And uh, when you're manufacturing anything, you want to make sure that the product you send out the door is the best product it can be. In our case, um, we did that. We ended up winning uh, multiple uh, design awards globally um, for the quality of our yachts. But it is because of the time and the effort that we put into the manufacturing process and the quality control, uh, making sure that the product reaches the client, the owner, the, the yachtee. Um, in the best shape that it can. So Marcus was very insistent that quality control uh, become a little more of a priority for this business. Another thing they wanted to do, we're going to snap back. We go back now to Los Angeles. And I'm sorry for uh, maybe not having mentioned that before. Pacific uh, Hospitality Furniture is located in L.A. So we have L.A. with Pacific um, Hospitality and we have Grafton's in Miami. The L.A. warehouse needed a, a giant overhaul, and a part, of, uh, part of what they needed to do was go through the facility and literally throw away a lot of extra and excess and broken and worn out and unusable inventory. Um, understandable, and we see this again in so many of the businesses Marcus goes into, the owners there, they really feel as though they have to somehow or for some reason hoard 
the inventory that, or, or the, it's not even inventory at that point. It's just with the raw materials. If they're making a chair and it didn't work out, instead of throwing the whole chair away, they stored it thinking, well, maybe we'll come back to it. Maybe we'll use it for something else. Marcus asked Anna, he says, how many months have has, has some of this stuff been lying around? And her answer was, a lot of months. <laughs> so Marcus said to her, that's it. We are cleaning out the showroom. I am bringing... Uh, trucks, as many trucks as it's going to take to get rid of all of this stuff. And so you see the trucks coming in and you see the staff starting to literally physically throw away chairs and tables and, and furniture that wasn't being used. What you did see at one point, though, when they moved away from the hardcore manufacturing warehouse area to the frontline showroom where some of the um, the more house-friendly furniture was, was uh, being displayed... When they started removing that furniture, Anna herself got very, very emotional. And um, and that's understandable. Those were her designs. Those were her things. And, uh, and even though she herself says at one point that I know, I know that this purge needs to happen. We were going to do it anyway. She said, I just, I wasn't expecting it to happen so quickly. So that, uh, that moves on. A couple weeks later... Excuse me, I'm getting over a cold. Um, we uh, see Anna and um, the people from Grafton meet. So Steve Grafton and his son Stevie are the current owners of Grafton Furniture. They have been in business for 30 years. So here you have two companies with pedigree on both ends. Marcus is bringing them together to form what he wants to call one large furniture company, again, to service the entire nation. So they'll be servicing not only logistically West Coast to East Coast, but also in terms of product, they'll be servicing the entire vertical chain between commercial and residential and retail office space, furniture, that sort of thing. Now, what made this episode even more interesting is the fact that Marcus decides to bring in a third business of his. Yes. So we have Grafton Furniture, which he owns part of. We have Pacific uh, Hospitality Furniture, which he is now buying into. And we have the Simple Greek franchise, which Marcus, if you remember from a few episodes ago, from a few seasons ago, bought into. Now, the Simple Greek is getting ready to launch 250 franchised stores across the USA. This is big. They're talking uh, and looking to buy furniture. So this is all, it happens, you know, when they say the right place at the right time, good timing. The Simple Greek franchise is looking to pick up almost $20,000 worth of uh, furniture per store. So if you take $20,000 of furniture by 250 stores, you're looking at almost $5 million worth of product that they are looking to order. Marcus says, hey, I have this new furniture company that I'm putting together. I would like them to bid on your project. Fair enough. And so we see, coming on in, I just have to turn my page because I don't remember the names, uh, Sam Lundy. Sam Lundy is the VP of Simple Greek. We see Sam Lundy come in. And we see both Steve Grafton and Anna Martinez uh, show up 
with the intent to design something as a prototype for Sam and the Simple Greek. They're given uh, a couple of weeks to design um, some furniture. At first, Marcus asks Anna to design the furniture. And Steve says, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I'm the designer. I'm the guy that's had the design furniture store in Miami for 30 years. I'm going to design the furniture. Marcus says, okay, well, it looks like a little friendly competition, a healthy competition in-house. Why don't you both design your vision of what we might offer Simply Greek and we'll let Sam, the VP of Simple Greek, decide which he's feeling a little bit more. So both of them go back to the drawing room. And at this point, you're seeing Steve. Uh, Steve's quite a bit older than uh, than Anna. Anna, if I had to guess, if her dad's 31 or 61, I would guess Anna's anywhere between 30 and 35. So younger girl, incredibly capable, though. She's really been running that business the past several years. Um, Steve uh, Grafton, also incredibly talented in the field of design, also manufacturing sales, et cetera, et cetera. So he comes in and, uh, and, and, and I don't want to say is, is being, he's just not being as respectful of Anna as perhaps he could be. Um, and I don't think it's because Steve's a bad guy. And in fact, by the end of the episode, you see that, that he's really not. He just was being a little bit uh, territorial, if you will, and uh, and a little bit like, hey, I'm the guy here, the boss. I'm the, the senior guy. I'll do it. Um, but Martha saw some talent in Anna. And, uh, and so he let them both have a shot. Well, they come back in with their designs. And we see Steve present his designs first. And so, again, remember, the Simple Greek is going to be uh, a chain of restaurants with a Greek type of theme, which is great for me because I'm Greek. <laughs> so I, I have an affinity for all things Greek and Greek food. So, of course, Steve comes in with his vision, and it's the very traditional classic, the blue, right, Greek blue, and a little bit of a, um, a, a sort of a butterwood theme. You can tell that Sam and Marcus... And Anna, no, no one's blown away by this. And in fact, some of the comments that we got are, it's nice, but it just looks like it's there. Um, another comment was, you know, there's nothing unique about it. It's plain. And, uh, and so you see Steve getting a little offended. It, this is his design. And, uh, and so he's saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm looking for feedback. I'm looking for feedback. And Sam is saying, well, I'm giving you the feedback. The feedback is there's just nothing wowing me here. And Steve says to him, well, what do you want? What is it you're looking for? And to Steve's defense, he says to the guy, I'm not a designer. I share my vision for the overall company and the theme of Simple Greek and the clientele that we're going to be going after. It's your job as the designer to design something to fit that space. So, Stephen backs up a little bit, and in comes Anna with Anna's designs. Wow. Okay. She blew everyone away. First of all, she came out with two mood boards, she called them. And they literally were like vision boards, right? Cardboard with um, thematic photos, inspirational photos of all things Greek. So she had some tiles and some of the white and blue, the classic Greek, some of the green olivey tones. And, and she said she really went through this 
uh, these Greek-themed photos, ripping them out of magazines, putting them on the posters, uh, to really get herself into the mindset of what the space would look like. She came out and showcased her furniture, and I really, I have to say, Anna, if you're watching this, really, really lovely job. She added texture. She added color. She added um, design scope to some of the furnitures. Where Steve had had just a flat bench for the wall, hers had been curved with the Greek key embedded into it, with the simple Greek logo embossed into the furniture. Uh, The comments for Anna's furniture included, it's very cool, it's a nice approach, I think that they're going to be blown away. This last comment made by Sam regarding all of the other franchise owners. So he sort of intuitively knew that she had hit the nail on the head. Marcus himself was incredibly impressed, and you could tell. So they landed the account, which is great. A $5 million account from uh, the Simple Greek is more money in one account than both of those companies had made combined from all of their clients over the past year. So this was a big account. And Marcus was very upfront and he said to them, this is before um, the Simple Greek decided to go with Anna's design. He said to them, the Simple Greek group, please don't feel obligated to go with my furniture companies do what is right for your business. I'm not going to force any business that I run to work with any other business that I run. If it makes sense and we can cross-communicate, fantastic. But if it doesn't, that's fine too. It's an open market. We're going to go with the best possible supplier. And in this case, it happened to be this joint company. Now, what we didn't find out, and uh, what I'm hoping uh, they're going to follow up in some of the follow-up episodes that they have sort of mid-season, is what the new company is called. Um, because we had Grafton's and then we had Pacific Hospitality. I'm guessing that they will have merged that into uh, one umbrella, one one company. Part of that merger and um, part of uh, what Marcus wants to do is share the skill set across the enterprise. So after this sort of two-week project went down, Marcus realized that Anna really, really has a talent in design. And she's really not that great with the sales, with the numbers, with uh, some of the manufacturing details. On the flip side, Steve has strengths in all of those areas. Now, Steve also has a strength in design, but it's a different type of strength. And so Marcus decided to pull them both together and propose a division of managerial uh, titles, if you will, managerial uh, duties. And he said that, Anna, I would like you to be lead designer for this business. And Stephen, I would like you to take over the manufacturing, the sales, and the administration. And you saw Steve get really ticked again. (laughs) You saw him saying, like, are you kidding me? Now you're pushing me out of the one thing that I've been doing for 30 years, which is designing. And, um, And again, you could see in the tonality of his voice his, I don't want to call it belittling Anna, but he just, he refused to believe that he was going to be pushed to the side so that this little girl in his eyes, you could see it, would come in and take over. And uh, and so he had his chance to speak and sort of put up his protest. Uh, and then Marcus gave Anna a few minutes to speak. And Anna said to him, uh, to both of the men, 
as they were sitting there. And uh, and actually, for any of you that live in L.A. that watch this episode, you could see that they were meeting uh, just outside the Montage Hotel in Beverly Hills there in the open courtyard area. I actually had lunch there just last week. So <laughs> this was a really fun episode for me because I was watching them in Miami, which I know and I love. And then I was watching them in Los Angeles, which I'm getting to know and love. So it was uh, it was a fun episode. And I'm getting ready to eat at Simple Greek. So so it was good, but uh, I, I I digress. Going back to the meeting, it's Anna's turn to talk. And so Anna says, she looks at Steve and she says, I just want to be a team player. And I think that caught him a little bit because it almost implied that you, Steve, are not being a team player. And, uh, and, and so you saw that him kind of catch on that. But in, in a way that he the wheels started churning, he was being a little reflective and uh, and so then she followed up with, I feel as though there's a little bit of bullying going on. And, and he cuts in and he says, well, do you feel as though I'm bullying? And she said, actually, yes, I do. And uh, and again, you saw him pause because you could see that genuinely he hadn't realized or he hadn't um, intended to bully anyone. He was just sticking up for what he thought was right for him and for his company. What everyone managed to understand by the end of this meeting, though, and a lot of that had to do with with the way Anna approached it, was that it's not his company and her company anymore. It's one company. What can we do to work as a team that is going to be in the best interest of the company? And the decision made there was that, yes, Anna would be lead designer and Steve would be head of most of the operations, which at the end of the day, why not? What what also, though, was a really nice surprise at the end. So Anna was thrilled. She was very uh, surprised that Marcus promoted her to that level so quickly. Uh, but what he also said to her, and I had to write it down, um, is he says, you will be in charge of the interior design of every business I own. Of every business I own, that's 40-plus businesses now that Marcus has invested in, and he wants her to be the lead interior designer on every space. That is how much Marcus was impressed with her talent. He said, whether it's Sweet Pete's and the candy, whether it's Bentley's Barkery with the pet food stores, whether it's Simple Greek and the restaurants, whether it's redesigning your very own warehouse, which, in fact, they did by the end of the episode— Anna, you are going to be my go-to interior design girl. So she was crying at the end of the episode. She was so overwhelmed with emotion. Um, I think she was so appreciative of being recognized for her talent and also for her efforts. And she was also patted on the back and complimented by Steve Grafton himself, which I think for Anna was a big, big, um, a big, big stepping stone in her career because Grafton Furniture, you know, is, is, has a wonderful reputation. And I know that Anna, you could tell by her work ethic, really is the type of person that would want to absorb as much as she could in terms of all things business from people more senior than her. So this is going to be just a phenomenal partnership um, for both companies, but especially, in my opinion, for her on a professional level. So really, really exciting things. What they decided um, to, uh, to, to, to end the episode with 
were just a few numbers on the overhaul to the warehouse in Los Angeles, the Pacific Hospitality Warehouse. Marcus invested of the $300,000 that he had put in, 150 of it was going to go towards the redesign of the warehouse to make it more efficient, put the um, the production line in place, et cetera, et cetera. The estimates on that are that the changes they were going to make with that $150,000 investment were going to result in a 20% increase in margin, which, talking dollars to dollars, would result on a $2.8 million a year business, which is what it was last year, would result in an extra $560,000 a year. So a one-time investment of $150,000 to garner $560,000 a year at a minimum from this point forward. So not a bad thing to do with your money in terms of an investment. Uh, that was our episode, folks. It was a good one. Uh, I would love to get your thoughts on it for anyone that did uh, watch the episode. Let me know what you thought. Let me know what you thought of uh, the dynamics between the Graftons and the Martinez's. Let us know what you thought about the episode in general and uh, and what you think of Marcus sort of pulling in his various uh, his various businesses to support uh, you know one another. I think it's great, personally. Uh, and personally... That, uh, that was your show. I'm your host. I'm Katerina Kazayas. Thank you for being with me tonight. <laughs> I'm going to say a, an imaginary shout out to Chris Howard again at Chris Howard Live. If you're missing him tonight, let him know. To watch uh, this episode and all of our other episodes for The Profit and for any of our AfterBuzz TV shows, please go to our website, AfterBuzzTV.com. Also, viewable via YouTube and uh, iTunes iPod podcast. Uh, Again, thank you for being with us, and we will see you next week. Take care. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.